For those who are doing it right, empowering your people to make decisions and looking after their wellbeing is critical. I'm Pip Marlowe, the CEO of Salesforce Australia New Zealand and your host for today's Future of Business Now podcast. This is another in a series of short podcasts where we're speaking to industry leaders about the major hurdles organizations are facing in today's business environment. We're delving into the challenges, opportunities, and responses in the short, medium, and long-term with the aim of lifting the tide for everyone who shares those same opportunities and challenges. Joining me at points along this business journey of exploration is Australian TV personality, radio presenter, and businessman, Russell Howcroft. Together, we'll explore the central themes of business success, including customer experience, business transformation, accelerating value, IT transformation, employee engagement, and business growth. Today, Russell and I have invited back Roz Coffey, an Australian pioneer in bringing people, culture, and customers together in her role at Macquarie Bank. And also, we are joined by Natalie Screen, an ambassador for values-led growth, New Zealand-born, cloud-based accounting success story, Zero. We'll talk about the marriage of employee diversity, well-being, and empowerment with corporate values and customer experience. What I'd love to do, Roz, is just kick off by making sure people get to know you a little bit. So when we spoke, I said it's absolutely fascinating, the job that you have. It's not often seen that people are thinking about customer experience and our, you know, our people and our organization and culture. But you're with Macquarie Bank. Why don't you start by just telling us a little bit about you and, and the role you have over at Macquarie? Yeah, sure. I um, I joined Macquarie and the right at the end of 2013, and um, my role at that time was very much focused on people and culture. And about three years ago, um, we added client experience to that. And the thinking behind that was, um, you know, while we would always say, and I think most companies would always say, they're very very focused on the experience they deliver to clients. Um, we we observed that 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 experience could be different depending which part of our organisation a client was dealing with. And so we needed some sort of a central role to kind of bring that consistency to the client experience. And in thinking about doing that, we thought about it as two types of change, certainly a cultural change, but also a capability change. And when we think about people and culture, they're really the two categories we think about our workplace in too. So it was very logical to us to really join the two. Um, and th- then, of course, you know, you get this wonderful virtuous cycle where when you're focused on the people and culture side, you're focused on creating positive employee experiences to help drive engagement and discretionary effort of your employees. And there's a ton of research then that shows that those highly engaged employees deliver better experiences to clients who in turn themselves become more engaged, stay more loyal and become advocates for your organisation. So we've really taken advantage of creating that virtuous cycle so that, you know, we really have that end-to-end view, creating positive experiences for employees who then create them for our clients as well. And you're right, I haven't met many people, or I think maybe one or two, literally, who um, who have that role. It's really unique. And I think it's, uh, it's, it's really great to have them both together. Yeah, I love that. And I think, you know, when you bring those two together, that I think great things can happen. And, and in some ways, you know, your your employees are your customers too, aren't they? And, and their experience um, matters and, and counts. One of the things I've heard a lot from customers right now is more than ever, you know, they are thinking about trust. They are thinking about speed to market. They want simplicity. And, and I think those things have all elevated as requirements on the back of COVID. But with speed, 
and you know working at greater paces and working you know remotely you also have to recognize we're going to make some mistakes things will not work like we intended them how are you thinking of balancing this um, requirement that our customers are asking us for to go faster and help them do more you know more quickly and you know that that balance of risk failure and, and mistake making one of the things that we make sure to do, you know, in terms of speed, we have a fairly flat organisation structure and a very non-hierarchical culture. Um, we were only reflecting earlier this week, actually, on a very big decision around a very big release we were about to make. And the number of people in the room who were um, very, very senior and very, very junior and everyone in between to help make that decision and to help hear the perspectives of people who had a concern or who wanted to raise something to make sure we thought about it. You know, it was something at the end of the meeting we actually reflected upon how that non-hierarchical culture really helps in that management of risk because we've tried to make a very psychologically safe environment where people feel they can speak up. They have a perspective that needs to be heard. We invite that. Um, We've even gone so far as to celebrate failures where there's learnings and we we have... um, we have in our town halls, we'll call some of those out. We're actually just not there celebrating success, but creating that culture where actually learning is the is the outcome, you know. So it's, it's okay to not do something right first time as long as we are all learning from that. So that makes that, again, that psychologically safe environment even better. The other thing we do try to do that balances speed is to try to get things right first time because certainly when we have this focus on client experience, and the need to sort of take a step back and understand the client's perspective before we start designing and delivering, um, that was one of the call-outs that people sort of had, like, won't this slow us down? And my call back to or my, my question back to people was always, slow you down to what, though? Because what, when, you really, when you're releasing something or you're, you're delivering something new to clients, you want it to land really well. And if you can get it to land really well first time, that in itself then builds trust and confidence in clients in terms of the things that you're going to, you know, other changes that you might make in the future. So I think this the focus on client experience. Speed is one element, but speed of the right things at the right time that work, I think is even more important. And that encompasses that view towards managing risk. I was really curious to um, draw on something you talked about. You talked about the um, very flat organisation and the voice of people of all levels. Talk to me about how you do empower your people, the people at the front line, people talking to customers every day. How do you empower them to make decisions and to respond to that sort of ever-changing voice of customer? We have, I think there's a set, similar to Salesforce with your set of core values, I think we're trying to make it clear to our people what they can act on and what they need to consult on or what they need to ask about. So I guess that sort of decision um, decision hierarchy, I suppose, is hopefully quite clear to our people. Um, some of the things we have in terms of when we declare our strategy, we talk about some of the things, you know, in terms of what we want to do. We also couple that with how we want to do those things. And delivering exceptional client experience and delivering exceptional employee experience are two of those core things on our strategy that we say this is part of the how. So that encompasses a lot of the decision-making that, you know, people can make quickly at the coalface, if you like. How do you, you know, recruit and think about how you attract people to the vision that you have? 
And secondly, you know, right now, I think more than ever, I am thinking about the mental well-being of my team. Mm, you know, yes. they are, many of them are working in smaller shared spaces. Are they uh, feeling isolated? They're balancing homeschooling. Uh, look, I've got to be honest, I made my husband take my two dogs out while I was doing this because they've been in so many podcasts <laughs> and webinars that even <laughs> I might be a little bit over there. <laughs> so how are you aligning this, this thing to get your people just as aligned to your vision? And what are you doing right now to think about your people's wellness? And what can we learn from what you're doing in your organisation? Well, the, the well-being aspect, I think, is a terrific call-out, particularly during this time, and I, it's something we've been absolutely front and centre for us. We've told all our people that their health and their safety and their overall well-being is the priority during this time. And um, you know, if we don't if we don't have staff members who are well and healthy and focused and able to function, then we you know we'd be in a lot of trouble. So we've invested a lot in terms of ensuring that. We're doing the very best we can by our people. And it's come in a number of different ways. So part of it is enablement. So without batting an eye, we sent everybody home with a full set of equipment that they could do their job. There wasn't a a piece around, well, you know, only senior people will get this or junior people won't get that or anything along those lines. It was just we want everyone to feel that they can um, be empowered and able to get their jobs done. And we put a, um, a lot of support around, you know, technical assist people who could be on call to help people with things like the internet connections or, you know, things like headsets for those on the contact centre lines and so forth. So the first piece was to just take away friction of people saying, I just want to get my job done. Um, We've spent a lot of time also investing in the capability of our managers to manage a distributed workforce. We've always had a very big focus on flexibility. So suddenly everyone working from home, while we hadn't had that happen before, we've always had a segment of our population uh, that is, you know, formally or informally working here, there or anywhere, as long as it works for our teams and our clients and our business. So it was just scaling the uh, work that we'd already done really around empowering or enabling our managers to manage a workforce that was 100% distributed now. And that includes things like, you know, making sure they were checking in in person with our teams. And we'd suggest to people, like, make sure your people have their camera on when you're talking to them so you can pick up the nonverbal cues around, you know, how someone's looking, how they might really be feeling. Um, When you ask how they are and they say, fine, what's the next question you might ask, you know, rather than just saying, oh, they said fine, they must be fine. Um, Because, you know, there's a lot of people who haven't been fine uh, during this time. And we've been particularly mindful, you know, as as you noted, of people who, uh, particularly during lockdown periods, have got one of two extremes, either um, a house full of people and everyone trying to work and everyone trying to school and, and people having a lot of competing priorities, or at the other end of the scale, people living alone. And, and not encouraged or allowed in many cases to interact with other people. Um, both of those very stressful situations for quite different reasons. Um, so again, it's been, it's been checking in. The other thing we've done is run a, a whole wellbeing program online for our people um, where they can, they can dip in and out of whenever they like to. And that includes things like online yoga classes and Pilates classes, mindfulness education, meditation classes, healthy eating exercise those sort of things. It's, again, that's just free for all of our employees for, for them to use 
as they wish. We've encouraged teams to do things together virtually where they can as well so that people have some sense of being with others. Um, so, you know, we've had we've had some terrific examples where people have done um, almost like a dinner party together or, you know, at least having lunches and, and one team did a wine tasting. They had a virtual sommelier come on. Um, they'd had wine sent to their homes and, and did a wine tasting. So we've tried to you know, replicate the experiences that um, and the social interactions that would occur naturally when you're um, working in an in-person environment, um, but also just putting, you know, um, support around people as well for just understanding the circumstances that we're in. So it's been a really, really, really big focus of ours and all the way down from our CEO who is the executive sponsor of our wellness uh, network group and, um, you know, personal messages from him to the whole organisation about, you know, wellbeing being a big priority. Um, the last thing we have is, uh, I think like many large organisations do, is an employee assistance program. And we've, again, proactively had members of that program um, who are, you know, psychologists and trained in a number of different areas of wellbeing come and talk to teams, you know, proactively around how they might be doing and what things they can put in place to support, you know, each other and their own well-being throughout this time. So we have found a massive demand on the back of um, COVID of organisations really wanting to invest in that enablement and skilling of the people so that they can do more things digitally and remote. How are you thinking about the evolution of, you know, learning and helping your employees with learning and, and building the skills so they continue to be you know, relevant in your business and for your customers? It's, it's such an important area of focus, isn't it? And I think particularly as you think about the workforce of the future in a number of different ways, their expectations, I think, um, you know, are more around gathering experiences and having different experiences rather than, you know, changing companies so often or so forth. And I think as an employer, if you're thinking about, you know, wanting to retain the very best talent, it has to be an environment where people continue to learn and they feel they're being stretched and developed personally. So, we have, um, we have a very big focus on learning and we're looking at it in a number of different ways. I think the traditional ways to think about formal learning and our focus in the last few years has been digitising as much of that as possible so that it's accessible, that it's scalable. People don't have to come to a classroom and sit on this day at this time. They can really access things as they, you know, where and when suits them or by mobile device. So we're trying to, we're trying to replicate in the services we're offering our employees and our clients, um, the same sort of experience they might have when they're dealing with their apps in their day-to-day life. So, you know, people learn things now, not necessarily by reading, but by watching. So people will go to YouTube. If they don't know how to do something, they'll, they'll find a video and, and watch it on YouTube. So we're again thinking about how do we adapt that habit, I suppose, that people have learned from you know, in their day-to-day lives and actually just replicate that in our workplaces. Shorter, sharper chunks of information delivered in a very easily consumable way. So that's that's that piece on the formal side. And the really big side that's, it's we've talked about it for a while, but it's really come to the fore during this time, is that learning from each other, that informal learning that comes from, you know, just popping your head up and calling to someone, you know, in the next desk and saying, can you remind me how to do such and such? Or I haven't seen this before. How do we solve this problem together? So we haven't yet 
crack this nut, but we are on the way, which is really what's that informal learning piece and how do you replicate that in a distributed environment? Um, how do you replicate the bump factor of, of, you know, just bumping into someone and saying, oh, hey, can you update me on that? Or, you know, um, again, asking the person next to you for something. So what we're really trying to do is we're focused on two things. It's certainly content, but mostly delivery and making sure it's delivered in a way that's really easily consumable and findable when people need it. Look, I think it's really impressive. And I'm, I know you're quite passionate about this as well, but I think when you come out of, you know, the people side of a business, you really think about diversity and inclusion a lot, like, you know, recruiting, uh, retaining great diverse talent to help you, but also our customers are incredibly you know, diverse as well. So it's a really great um, thing, I think, to bring those together. But how do you leverage that diversity and inclusion um, that you're seeing inside and outside? And how does that come to life in your role? It's been a really big focus of ours, actually. So um, we started really, like I think most organisations do, around creating a diverse and inclusive workplace. And we had a big focus on education that, you know, people are different than us and that is a good thing. So we focused on creating diversity of thinking and diversity of perspective rather than thinking about demographic diversity uh, for our employees and then shifting our workplace culture accordingly. It wasn't much of a stretch really to then say, we think about our clients the same way as well. So really when we think about diversity and inclusion, it's to say, how do we gain the perspectives of others such that we have better ideas? We have more points of view that lead to better outcomes. And so, you know, that's really, I think, allowing our people when we interact with clients to understand that everyone has a very different perspective and that in creating experiences for people, you have to start with their perspective and what's important to them and, you know, be able to, to progress from there. So the starting point is that education, that the world outside of ourselves or our, our worldview is one perspective and that there are many, many others and, and that those are appreciated. So how do you bring your people, profit and communities on this IT-led growth journey? We'll hear from Natalie Screen, a customer success superstar at Zero, who's going to share her insights on IT productivity and business efficiency in the new era of value and trust. With that, over to you, Russell. As Pip said, I'm joined by Natalie Screen, GM Customer Success at Zero. So you said that a core to the success of Zero, of course, is it's, you're a people-based organisation, you're a purpose-based organisation. But as you've grown, how have you managed to keep um, the employees as evangelists? Well, I'm not sure if you've uh, heard Zero talk a lot about this in the past, but you may have heard about our inside-out philosophy. Yeah. Uh, we, we really do believe that in order to deliver on our brand promise and our purpose, aligning our employees to that experience and that outcome is just critical. Um, if you can align your people to your culture and your outcomes and what you're here to do and everyone is wrapped around that, it really does ripple out into your communities and to your customers and creates an amazing experience. So I think we're, you know, where we're different from a lot of businesses is they often think customer first, which is great, but actually I think it starts with people first. If you treat your people right and align them, you'll deliver amazing experiences to your customers, whether that be product or technology or service or marketing or brand. Um, and as I said earlier, you know, I think uh, technologies will come and go and features and functions will provide an advantage for a while, but not forever, but your talent and your people will last. 
And so at the heart of everything is really our people, Um, you know, making sure everyone has a voice, making sure that innovation can come from all places and making sure that people are part of that journey, not just on the journey. Um, You described zero earlier as beautiful, Mm. which is wonderful. Tell me why. I think um, I remember when I first started at Zero, uh, we had no defined values. We we also had nothing written down because um, things were moving so rapidly. By the time you wrote it down, uh, yeah. it had changed. And um, we and I remember watching everyone and how they worked and how they engaged with people. Um, and then our values came out about six months later, and one of them was beautiful. Um, mm, okay. And all of our values, to me, reflected the way we work. Uh, the way we work with each other, how we have conversations, the products and experiences we build for our customers. Um, And it was amazing to work in an organisation where your values represented how you worked. It wasn't how the company wanted you to work. Um, So, yeah, beautiful for us is ingrained in everything we do, how we work, how we engage, how we build. Love that. Tell us more about other values. Uh, so we've got ownership. Um, you know, this is uh, the beauty of Zero is, you know, really trying to have very little hierarchy and giving everyone a voice. We hire incredible, talented people um, and we want everyone to own problems and everyone to own outcomes. So ownership is incredibly important to us. Um, own it and see it through. Um, we've got a champion. So how do we make sure that we're really championing and challenging the status quo and always pushing for innovation, um, which is incredibly important to keep up the, with the rate of pace. Um, we've just introduced actually a new value called team. Um, so, you know, one of the challenges that I think a lot of tech companies face as they expand into new regions is how do you make sure you're creating a dynamic workforce that is really cross-functional and going after the right opportunities together and not becoming siloed. And so team is incredibly important to us. It's not about silos it's not about individual performance it's about team performance so um so that's been awesome um to bring into space as well and then we've also got human um so you know everything we do is human the way we speak to our customers um the way we speak to each other the value we put in uh, having respect um for one another um is incredibly important i think sometimes when you're going through such rapid change uh it's easy to get heated and it's easy um, to become frustrated or want to do things quicker, but our values keep us grounded in how we engage with each other. I have to end by saying a huge thank you to you, Roz, Natalie and Russell. It was really great to share your insights and the importance of employee engagement and employee experience. It's really incredible to see the intersection of corporate culture and customer experience. And so thank you again for joining us on the short Future of Business Now podcast series brought to you by Salesforce. It's been an absolute pleasure to have your company. My name's Pip Marlowe, and I look forward to having your virtual company again soon.